Okie dokie, folks, and welcome back to Love Wrestling. I am Kyle Shaw, a.k.a. the Canadian Goose, and I am here joined today by the moment taker, Jordy Taylor out of British Columbia. Jordy, how are you doing today, buddy? Fantastic, man. Every day's a dream. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's go back in and start at the beginning. Uh, when did you start wrestling and what, what got you interested in it? I've been obsessed with wrestling since I was five. My dad showed me it when I was a kid. And funny enough, he uh, eventually stopped liking wrestling because it was uh, it didn't go the direction he wanted, per se. Like, it went to the less realistic type, I guess. So he's like, why do you like that stuff? And it's like, you got me into it, bro. But anyways, uh, I started wrestling in 2011. I went to school at Storms in 2010, but then I had to wait about six months to start actually wrestling because I had to move back and find myself a job and get all those things going before I started school. So I went to Calgary and I was from the Vancouver Island in Nanaimo. But yeah, I started in 2011. Oh, okay. January I 2011. I didn't know you uh, trained with Lance Storm. There's a lot of guys out here that have trained with him and they're all mm-hmm. qual- quality wrestlers for sure. Um, yeah, very much so. What did you? What do you think are some of the best uh, advantages of having that that training from Lance? Well, I mean, the namesake is is a huge part. Just to say that, I mean, like the credibility of him as a wrestler, his his talent, whatever the case, where he's been, what he's done, is pretty. Like, the, I mean, going to the top of the business is something that everybody aspires to do. So having someone that made it and then learning from someone that's actually been somewhere, kind of thing. I mean, like, it's there's not many better things than that. Yeah, is there, He's a wonderful is, there trainer, though, yeah. is there any particular lessons that you feel like you you got to learn from him because you went to him rather than that some some other people may not have got because they didn't go to him for their training? I would say like in terms of uh, Canadian wrestling, like around here, whatever the case, like he there's not many in the world that were as technically sound as him like i mean like there's obviously wrestlers that are as technical but i mean like it's hard to find someone that good like that like everything that he did in the ring was like it was almost it was nearly perfect right like he's so good so just having someone who knows how to move their body position themselves like stay safe all these things like it's the psychology that he brought and like the the breakdown of how we learned what during those three months was spectacular. Yeah. So, I, I mean, like, I, just what, what he brings to the ring, right? How many people have that? Well, definitely, like, one of the things, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here was because I see all your Facebook posts all the time, and you often have a lot of, like, really good, like, advice and stuff. You know, I remember there was a whole paragraph on uh, uh, how to do promos and whatnot. And I thought it was all really helpful stuff. And I had like legitimately tried to implement some of those things. And I was just wondering if you got a lot of that stuff, like specifically from Lance or, or whereabouts else have you uh, gained such. That's literally just like, well, thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Uh, In terms of like what I've learned, uh, I, I didn't like. I, I just learned the wrestling aspect from him per se, and then like I, I sucked for six years. So all of that was like just learning how to be in the ring and and just learn everything. Like there's there's so much to learn, right? Like wrestling is just like you know, obviously, like there's just there's too many aspects to it. Not too many, but there's just a bunch. But like, yeah, just the things that I've learned were from because there's not necessarily a lot of names around here, like like people that have been placed in like BC or whatever the case. So like, there's not many people like resources to tap per se. So it was just listening to podcasts, listening to vets, old school guys, like from things that I find on the internet. Right. And just like watching just 
a gross amount of wrestling. Like, and obviously we're all wrestling nerds. Like we, we love the business, but I mean, like I spent from 2017 to 2020, just like absorbing as much wrestling as I could. So I could stop sucking. <laughs> so all these lessons that I've learned are just from things that I've watched and heard. I haven't really had a mentor at this point, And that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping to get into the brain of like somebody who's really been somewhere and done something like, and like storm obviously has done those things, but, uh, we never really kept in contact. So yeah, everything that I've learned, I've learned on my own, more or less. I mean, that's fair for sure. Um, and that's not to say that I'm, I, I, I have so much more to learn, right? Like I technically don't know anything. Like we never really stopped learning. So I'm just, I know what I know, but I know there is a ton that I don't know and I need to learn that. Yeah. I hear you. Like there's, there's just such a vast amount of knowledge out there, especially when it comes to something as versatile as wrestling. Like I find that the best wrestling shows are the ones that have like a variety of types of wrestling going on, you know, like I'm all for watching like spot fest ring of honor, technical match, but I'd, I don't want to watch eight of them in a row, you know, I want to watch like one or two other things going on in there, you know? So I I totally agree. It's a smorgasbord, right? Just because I like old school wrestling and more story methodical based, uh, doesn't mean that there isn't a spot for everything. Yeah. Is that how you would uh, describe your, your style for the most part is like an old school methodical based. I would say like old school brawler that throws some suplexes here and there. But yeah, I'm not, I don't call myself a wrestler. I'm more of an entertainer and a storyteller. I hear you. I hear it. I've always found that like when I watch your promos and I've, I've seen you uh, a little bit of your in-ring stuff that you, you come across as very believable, like fighter, you know, okay. like, where you're like, Oh, that's what I, I, mean, that's, that's what I go for. My, my, my biggest, not to cut you off. Sorry. My, my biggest, like uh, who I like my inspiration, I guess was stone cold and like, guy's a psycho right and real as it gets so that's where i base all my realism from obviously being myself as well but yeah so when you uh started wrestling uh uh, and training with lance did you end up getting bookings out here in alberta before you uh went back to bc no unfortunately i there was a potential for one but i couldn't do it because i was it was a world of hurt the show like uh okay lance was talking about having me on the show and but i was just going back to bc right after because i mean like I was born in BC and just the difference between Alberta and BC, like the the mountains and just like, I don't know, it, it just didn't hit me the same. And it was like that. And like, I have more of a base here. So I, I wanted to go back home and try my luck where I was from. But aside from that, like I, I didn't take a booking for six months after I started training. So the first one I did have was in 2011 when I went to school in May, 2010. Oh, okay. So uh, I, I did attend you- some shows though. Who, who was your first match against and whatnot, and where was that for? That was against Harv Sierra of uh, the Bollywood Boys and Stallion Smith. They're both wrestlers from around here, of course. Harv Sierra's went to WWE. But a triple threat match in a Squimalt. And, like, a triple threat match is uh, a, a very nerve-wracking first match to have, especially, like, I hadn't trained in months, so I was, like, I was shit nervous, and I didn't like being in front of people. Uh, I'm a very introverted person, so, like, at that point, too, not – knowing everything about wrestling. It was like one of the most terrifying, liberating experiences of my life. Yeah. I, my first match was a triple threat match. It was against yeah. uh, Steven Stiles and Epic Eddie Rude in Bonneville, Alberta. And I That's was awesome. also, I was completely underprepared for it, but it was a good time. I, you know, I look back on it now fondly and, and I have fond memories of it, but it was one of those things where, 
you know, you needed to grow for sure. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. My first match, uh, I can't, it's hard to watch back, but I give myself some space to like appreciate it in the sense that I, obviously it's your first match, but funny story for that whole thing. Like I said, I was nervous. Uh, so they, my, my name at the time was the greed father and they called me the greed master. And I had a CD that my sister gave me and I put a song on it, obviously for my entrance theme. And she didn't tell me that there was a song already on it. And so the song was Blink-182, All the Small Things. And, like, I'm sitting there just, like, nervous as fuck. I don't know if you can swear. But I was sitting there nervous. And, like, obviously I'm about to go out there and a different song hits. And, unfortunately, the song that hit was uh, a female wrestler's theme, too, in that same company. So they thought that she was coming out and then I come out and I didn't know that it was my theme. So I'm, like, sitting there waiting for my cue, being like, what is this music? And even more so than that, I got a spray tan the night before, and I never got a spray tan. And I didn't know that you were supposed to, like, wear your gear that you're going to wear. So I wore boxers, and then I had, like, an inch line of whiteness between my leg and where my gear started. And more so than that, I was trying to sleep, like, a log the whole night, so I didn't have a uh, messed up spray tan. So I slept like this, and I ended up drooling right here on my chest. And I woke up with a big white mark on my center of my chest. My legs weren't tanned properly. My music was wrong. They called my name wrong. It's like, damn. Uh, I, I, I seem to recall in my first one, uh, they were playing, a, we had a specific order of which we were supposed to come out. And then they did end up playing uh, Squig's music for my entrance. And I just said to him, you, you should go out because you don't want to come out to my goose music, you know? So <laughs> it, it, that's, that's basically what we just, we just switched it up, you know, but uh, yeah, for sure. Um uh, what do you what do you think about stuff like that? Like your 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 music and stuff. How important do you feel is that's to like the entire presentation? I I mean every single bit is as important as the other. Like it all needs everything else in order to complete the package. Like with your theme music and say like your entrance. As soon as you hit the curtain, you, you don't get a second opportunity to make a first impression, right? So like if you hit the curtain and your music isn't captivating, if it drags too long, if it's too overbearing, if you're not confident when you come out, if you don't embrace the people, if you don't show them whether your face or your heel, like every single thing in that first 10 seconds can make or break you. But like a theme music sets the tone, right? Like if you look at like a, a Stone Cold Steve Austin, if you didn't have that glass shattering, then it wouldn't, it would still be his aggressive self, but it wouldn't hit the same, you know? Like music is everything, I, I think, I, I feel. Yeah, I, it's definitely something I put a lot of thought into every once in a while, uh, try to spice things up or whatever. Um, I, uh, I have this, I've had this problem where I, I get bored really easily of the, th the song that I'm using, the song that I'm using. Anyways, so I, I have a tendency to change them up. And then at one point, I was like, I'm just going to use a different theme every show. So when you hear a different song you've never heard before, then you know it's me. But then, which was awesome, was uh, a wrestling fan who's also a musician from the States. He said that he wanted to make a theme for me. And then I was like, well, of course, obviously. And then so he did so. And it was awesome. And then I finally started keeping that as my theme. And now he's actually making me a new one that's going to be coming out next week for my group. So that's dope. Oh, solid. Yeah, that's 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 always cool. I I actually I paid a guy to make mine too. The guy I went to high school with, he had like a thing on Fiverr where you could pay like, you know, it ended up being more than five dollars. But I think 
I paid like 60 bucks, but now I own this song in perpetuity, right? So I don't have to worry about it. So I can, if if they want to put it in a video or something, it's not a big deal. I can just say, yeah, it's cool with me, you know? Yeah, that's so worth, like, it's worth so much, right? Just to have your own song, just because, I mean, like, to not, it, it takes away when you have all that copywritten stuff and you can't play theme music. It's not ECW from back in the day, right? Yeah, no, it it looks real podunk on like a YouTube video when all the entrances are just cut off because you, you can't play anybody's music, right? And then it also yeah. like it affects the entire way the show goes down too, like because you still have to introduce those people, you know. Yeah, and you got to have your entrance because how are you going to tell if they're face or their heel, right? If they're not coming out and portraying that immediately. Yeah, yeah, and like just like their names and stuff too. Like that's all said generally while the person's music's playing, unless it's like a special title match situation or something. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so your first uh, Alberta dates are coming up here. You're going to be wrestling. Oh yeah. I've got some coming up. Yeah. RCW. RCW. Are you looking forward to that? Hell yeah, man. I've, uh, I've been to Alberta a few times and I've only worked Can-Am to this point. So I'm, Really looking forward to hitting up RCW. I've been wanting to for quite some time. Yeah, I think we're all pretty excited to have you. And RCW is awesome, too, because it, it can be a little bit Wild West. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes mm-hmm. things get a little rough there. And I, I always appreciate that about about RCW. <laughs> did, you ever, were you ever, did you ever hear about the night that Jason the Terrible went on a rampage? at the? Uh, uh, I did not, but what's hilarious is that's probably... <laughs> Sorry, you first. <laughs> yeah, no, he went on a complete rampage at the uh, oil arena, this, and the police ended up coming and everything. And it, it was, it's, and now it's a, just a fond memory, but at the time it was like this big deal where we were like, oh, I, this might have gone a little too far. But yeah, I, yeah. I actually, I, I like Jason the Terrible. I think he's, he's, he's pretty fantastic. He's scary as hell, but he's I mean, super legitimate. But yeah, he's an awesome dude for sure. That, that's funny enough was when I was going to come to RCW for my debut match there in 2020. At the end of 2020, I was supposed to wrestle Jason the Terrible. And uh, he kept on telling me that he was going to beat the fuck out of me. So I was like, you're a legit dude. So, I mean, I have to say, I'm not going to not wrestle him, right? So I have to take it. I'm just going to get in there and dish it out back, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think that's kind of what happened at the uh, at the Oil City thing was uh, he, he, you know, him and Slammer were going at it. And Slammer ended oh, up. Oh, was that when like, Slammer knocked him out? Yeah, Slammer knocked him out. When he came to, he was on a rampage, and it, it was it was pretty glorious, <laughs> you know. That's when he took off the, the the coveralls, right, and the mask and whatnot, and revealed oh, yeah. himself he, as Carl yeah, Kurt Muffet. He was yeah, he was bleeding all over the place, and then I I yeah, he would he was cutting promos backstage on people and stuff. It was it, it got really out of hand, but it was. Yeah, it's a fun memory for me because I, you know, wasn't involved in any of the uh, <laughs> the consequences of such. But it, it you know, and it, all I all I have fun from it is is memories of this night that Jason the Terrible went on a rampage, and we were doing a battle royal in the main event, and um, I didn't wrestle in Edmonton all that often, but I was like, yeah, if he hits the ring during this, I'm out of here, <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just I'm not dealing with that. Yeah, so, I've heard yeah. some stories about him being legit tough guy, and obviously he is. If you followed his career, he's 
crazy in the best of ways. So I, I can definitely see what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, have you ever had a chance to wrestle with uh, Vince Austin? No, I haven't, but I really want to. Guy's so cool. He's legit as it comes. He's so awesome. He's, he's such a nice dude, respectful, loves the business, like loves business. I mean, that that alone says something, right? Like I've seen a video recently of him doing a, a twisting body attack off the top rope to the outside. So the guy's crazy as it gets, killing it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I was in one of those matches with him and he did that on to everybody. It was it was very impressive. And it it, yeah. it was one of those things where everybody did something. Like we all dove to the floor. I think I did a moonsault to the floor and then he went up and did that and I was like, ah oh. <laughs> you know, I just tried to do something like the, my most impressive thing and then he did that and it was like, Okay. Yeah, but he yeah overshadowed. He's, he's one of my favorites, uh, for sure. And he, he loves the hardcore stuff too. Yeah. He was telling me recently when I just talked to him when he was down here that uh he didn't actually spend most of his career doing hardcore. He just spent the last few years doing it. He was mostly a tag team guy. And then he just got uh uh a typecast they get his hardcore I guess his hardcore guy, and now he's hardcore dude. Have you had uh, any chance to go out to uh, Winnipeg or uh, any other other territories out in Canada? No, I really want to. I really want to start hitting up Ontario. That's that's the place I feel to be. Like the all the names come through there. There's a lot of big companies. Impact is there. So I mean, that's that's where my goal is at this moment is to try and get myself signed there. So I will yeah. be branching out as time goes on. I feel like that's probably one of the better places to be actually like seen. One place yeah. that I, I feel like I really want to go to, and I don't know why, but uh, I, I really want to go wrestle in Newfoundland. I think that's that awesome. Be, I, I, th- I think that would be so fun. You know? I think so too. Yeah. Is there anybody you want to wrestle while you're out there? Um, well, uh, my, my original trainer, Andrew Hawk, he moved back out there and I'd like to have a match against him. Uh, but also like they have this guy called Jeremiah Javen and he's come and done my podcast a couple of times. My buddy, uh, Cameron Stevens lives out there. I, I wrestle with him too. So, you know, uh, lots of guys, lots of guys. And, and that's just another, one of the things is like, I recently got to go out to, uh, BC. I, you know, we were on the same show for, uh, Eddie there. And that's yeah. one of my favorite things now is that when I do go to new places, I just go and I make a bunch of new friends, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it just seems like everybody's there to achieve the same thing. Right. And yeah, you know, as far as I'm and those who are, we, they, they, uh, work themselves out eventually. Yeah. Like I just kind of, I've always felt that my favorite part about wrestling is going and entertaining people with my friends, you know? Yeah. And, and that's just the whole just, experience, right? Like from, from getting there to shaking the hands and doing the whole thing to the camaraderie of setup and takedown, like every single thing is part of the experience, right? And like a lot of, of vets, as they get older, they don't necessarily want to do setup and takedown. And I get it because it's monotonous and it's heavy and it's boring and it can be boring, but it's like, it's, uh, there's a part of me that enjoys getting to that and just getting to enjoy the not so fun aspect of the business, I guess. And like, it is what you make it right. Like it's obviously not as fun as being in the ring, but there's yeah. something special about just being with the, the, the ring crew or the roster, the locker room, whatever the case. And just, I don't know, getting in the shit and doing it. Yeah. And I mean, if you're, if you are willing to go and get on the ring and help on that aspect of things, like, you you just show your passion for it right so like i think 
the promoters are much more apt to use guys that are down to do that than people that are walking around big leaguing people or thinking they're superstars and don't need to help, right? Like, yeah, those those kind of people just generally, you know, I guess nobody. They won't maybe, last. Yeah, yeah. I just people just talk and they're like, oh. Yeah. He's not doing nothing, you know. But what do you no one's going to show you have initiative more than you, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, is there any? Uh, is there any like places uh, uh, besides Ontario that you'd really, really uh, like to go to? I could see you uh, doing really well in Winnipeg. Thank you. Uh, I mean, uh, ultimately, the goal is I want to get myself signed. So that's. That's where my, my brain is at, just getting to one of the major companies. In terms of wrestling and where I want to go, I really just want to go where the money is, where the spots are. Obviously, this sounds marky, but where the belts are, because I love belts. Who doesn't, right? Like, I mean, everybody, like, I love every aspect of the business. So, I mean, like, I just, I technically just want to go where uh, I'll make the biggest name, where I'll get the biggest PO and uh, the best spot. <laughs> I Well, uh, yeah, that that's completely fair and makes complete yeah. sense. You know, um, are you, uh, do, are you involved in the training of any, uh, the, uh, younger talent out in BC? Uh, I don't have a school at this moment, but I've been thinking about starting one. And like, I've been thinking about also doing online coaching for younger talent. I used, I used to have, I'm kind of busy now, so I don't really have the same open door policy, but I used to tell every greenhorn or every person that was wanting to get better, like you have me on social media, you can just message me, whatever, right? Like ask me any question, whatever the case, any knowledge that I have, just take it, right? Feel free. Like the the point of life is to find your gift and then give it away, right? So I mean, that's, I, I make myself or I have made myself available to like watch matches, critique stuff and, and all that jazz, like doing the online aspect of it to this point. But I do really want to, eventually get myself uh situated in terms of a school but it's just so, about waiting for the right moment i guess or you got to make your own moment too so i mean there is that right so eventually it'll happen though are you are you based in uh in vancouver or or victoria yeah, yeah. i'm in langley but that's the same kind of idea yeah vancouver okay i hear you i just uh i go to I, i'm in the okanagan all the time i'm in victoria all the time just uh the main companies around here that's where i'm usually uh, at. Solid. I I've I heard that uh, the thrash wrestling had a big uh, bloody uh, crazy tournament there. How did you fare in the yeah. tournament? I won, obviously. No, <laughs> yeah, I was in a, I was in a casket match, so I wasn't in the tournament. I was defending my belt. Oh, okay. And uh, funny enough, on that night, my girlfriend was doing um uh like helping out with the, with stuff, whatever. And it's obviously a very hardcore. Uh, tournament or night or evening, whatever. So somebody was smashing uh, light tubes around the ring, and one got her in the eye. Oh, that so that was uh, quite the experience. Have you been in those like light tube matches and stuff before? Not really yet, but I mean, I'll do anything. Like the Jason the Terrible match that I was going to have. Like at that moment, that's when I decided I was like, I'm. I'll literally do everything. Like I'm, I'm very, like I said, like I'm story based wrestler. Like I don't really take the big crazy bumps or whatever the case, but uh, I always tell everyone that I'm loyal to the story. And if the story dictates that something like that should happen, then screw it. Right. Like whatever happens, hope for the best. Funny enough on that same thing in terms of the story, 
the first time I ever did a top rope shooting star press was in the main event of one of the biggest shows for ECCW at the time, like in 2014, because I was like, the story dictates that I should do this. I'm like, the first time to try is when I'm on the top rope. I hope this goes well. And luckily it did. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I would not even attempt to do a shooting star press because I would very likely hurt myself <laughs> the funny thing is i have no aim with it so uh yeah i just gotta jump and hope for the best yeah i feel like i could jump out forwards but then i would smoke the back of my head on the turnbuckle or something or i'd be like the uh the uh, guy online and you see him and he goes for the shooting star press he just ends up doing a backflip and landing with his belly onto the rope and it's like yeah. oh i feel bad for the guy because <laughs> it's like oh this guy's out there putting in this effort and trying to impress everybody and then you know just this mm -hmm. one little thing goes wrong that's that's funny enough uh, the story about that uh was so it was a six-man tag it was myself jamie diaz and daniel adonis we were dta at the time and we were wrestling Buddy Wayne, Brutus Beefcake, and Scotty Mack, six men. And so at the end, of, near the end of the match, uh, our finisher was going to be called the S3. And it was uh, Shooting Star Press, but the three of us doing in sync, right? Like a sync Shooting Star Press. And Jamie Diaz hadn't done one, I don't think, uh, to that point in the ring. And when the time came, uh, Daniel Adonis and I both did the Shooting Star Presses, because obviously I'm just going to do one and hope for the best. But Jamie Diaz did a uh, 450 instead because he didn't feel confident, I guess, to do the shooting star at the time. And because he shot out further than he would have had he done the shooting star press, and I don't have any aim with my shooting star press, I landed with my like elbow slash uh, forearm on the back of his head and knocked him out. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. But luckily, I, I just, had to do I'm, that. I'm, that. I'm baffled at the fact that Brutus the Barber Beefcake was in this match with all these shooting star presses and 450s going on. How did he feel about well, luckily that? We were all, they were all moving. <laughs> oh, okay. <Yeah. laughs> I, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, he's, he's an interesting guy, eh? I mean, yeah. He's, he's he's dope. He's, uh, he's lived quite the life. Yeah, he he was on uh, one of the CWE tours that came through here, and yeah, he he, he was mm -hmm. very very interesting. Uh, I heard yeah, of that he, story. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he had a lot of good, uh, a lot of he had some cool stories and stuff, but there was also some stories that were told about him that might have been classified as horror stories. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, have you been in the ring with any uh, other big names like that? Um, Roots Barb Beefcake's big star. Totally, totally. Uh, I've been in the ring with Carlito, Valvinas, Godfather, um, Psychosis. I know there's a couple more. Uh, I was managed by Jimmy Hart twice, which was awesome. Uh, there's been names that come through here, and I've been very fortunate that I've been able to get in the ring or be around them. So I mean, that's, that's the thing. I one one of the funny things when I was uh, when I was green, like I told you, like I started off. Like, my name was the Greed Father, and I always thought I always wanted. Like, what are the chances if I ever get to wrestle the Godfather, the Greed Father, Godfather? You know, and then I got it to happen. I'm like, that's literally. I just manifested that. Like that. What are the chances that I would get to wrestle him? And yeah, it's just super cool. But yeah, I've I've been fortunate to wrestle a bunch of bigger names which is really cool solid and like uh 
I would just imagine that when you have these matches coming up, you're just kind of looking forward to the the knowledge you're going to be able to gain from working with these people and even just like speaking to them. And like we did, a, we did a thing in Saskatchewan and I had to ride with uh, IRS. He was in the car with us. And he just told us great wrestling stories the whole time. And it was like, well, this was, you know, this was worth the trip alone, you know? Damn right. Yeah. Just like being in the ring with them too, right? Like you just learn little things just by interacting with them, touching them, you know, just like when you lock, like every little thing you can, you can just learn by watching them operate, right? Like even if they're not saying anything to you, like before and after the match is when you gain the knowledge, obviously when they're speaking to you, but just being in the ring with them is like you. Okay. So when I was at storms, we were all really scared to hit each other at first. Cause obviously you don't want to hurt someone. Mm-hmm. And then we were having mock matches and Storm came down on me with a senton, and I was like, oh, that's how we're supposed to actually do this. Like, the snugness everyone talks about. And I was like, so that's, it taught me the difference between somebody who, and like, again, like I said, like, just being in the ring with someone of that caliber, you you just learn by them doing what they do. And it's like, it's a different level when, like, how they hit to how us greenhorns would have, not greenhorn anymore, but when I was at the time, yeah, it's like, you just learn by being in the ring with them, right? Mm-hmm. And is it was that like a, a a major thing for you to uh, have to improve on? Was your was your striking like if you had uh, to like evaluate yourself? What where would you say you've improved the most since you started? Promo character and slowing down and like telling a story because like when I first started, I and and like there's obviously a lot of trends in anything and like the trend in wrestling nowadays is be extremely acrobatic and high flying and, and spots everywhere. Right. So like when I first started, uh, I was kind of advised by people cause I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to bring to wrestling. So I would try to wrestle that style and fail horribly every time just cause that's not how I am. Right. Like when I first started, before I started even the thing I, w- I was obsessed with was chain wrestling. I was like, I wanted to be the best chain wrestler ever. Like, the guy who could just wrestle the whole match like and not like separate from the person, right? And then I got in the ring and I realized that was the thing I sucked most at. So I'm like, that's what I'm not going to do is chain wrestle. So I've, funny enough, I've, I've chain wrestled one time since 2014. So I, I just don't do that kind of stuff. But anyways, when I first started, my punch was abysmal. And the uh, hilarious thing about that is Storm actually taught us how to punch. But I just, it wasn't, maybe I was overthinking it, but... My punch was just terrible, and I just threw the the forearms like everybody does. And then uh, in 2017, I was just in a random training class uh, in Vancouver, and somebody's like, so we're going to hit a thing, whatever it was, I can't remember. And then as they charge at you, I want you to throw a punch. And they charged at me, and I threw a punch, and I wasn't overthinking it for the first time. And I was like, that was fucking beautiful. It's like, so then, then I just started working on my punch ever since then. And like Since then, I've adapted said punch to be very – Scott Hall slash Undertaker-esque. So those are the people I like to take from in terms of like the punch because they're, they're just amazing punches. But in terms of what I've gotten most improved at, is my promos were terrible for quite some time until I started really just sitting down and turning on the camera and just talking and learning, telling a story, slowing down, watching the old, like old wrestling like that. Because you're not going to be different or stand out or learn how to tell a story if you're watching a lot of today's product. And like, there is a lot of storytelling in today's product. There's just not like it used to be. So like, yeah, all of those areas are the things in which I've most improved. So 
I'm not a chain wrestler. I'm a brawler. So I basically just brawl and don't chain wrestle, which sucks because that's what I wanted to do originally. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I mean, I, I think that that's, you know, that's perfectly fair. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm not a master chain wrestler either. Like, I I even I remember that show that we did uh, for Eddie. Then I was I was mm-hmm. my first show uh, in front of my hometown, so I was like thinking, oh, I'm gonna go out there and do all my athletic moves and you know impress people. And then the, the first match went on, and it was like uh, it was Travis Williams and I think uh, Miles Deville. And Miles, they, yeah. They just they, they they just did a bunch of incredible shit, and I was just like, "Well, maybe I'll just go and get the crowd going, and you know, no. stay in my lane." And uh, <laughs> I, I think that worked out uh, much better for me. And, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And uh, but uh, it was it was definitely a, a lot of fun. Um, so, so what's uh, funny know, about that is, as uh, like in terms of all the crazy spots and high flying and technical wrestling. And like, I don't do that stuff, but I, my biggest thing is working the crowd and like, they're there to be interacted with. Right. Mm -hmm. And all I do is I'm usually a heel. So I just do what a heel should do. And I just be the most, uh, non redeemable person you could be. And every single show I get people come up to me and be like, you were the best. I loved everything you did. I remembered what you did. And it's literally just cause I'm waiting for them to chirp at me. And then I chirp back and like, I'm just interacting. Like I don't, I can't do the backflips. I mean, I can do the backflips, whatever, but I don't do them as good as somebody else can, but they, they remember people there to work them. They remember getting worked, you know, like getting interacted with. So the things that I do leave a lasting impression longer than all the flips and the spots. Yeah. I, I, a hundred percent agree uh, with that sentiment. Cause like, you know, you could do go out there and do all the Harrington Ranas and Canadian destroyers you want. But at the end of the day, like the, the, the lady that I told to put her foot up so I could smash my opponent's head into her foot. Like she's going to probably remember that before she remembers the, you know, the flip pile drivers and stuff. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, just because another like, thing to think about intera- too. interactions are happening, you know? Yeah. Right. Legit. And like the thing about that though is like people can't relate to a backflip, a hurricane runner, Canadian destroyer, because people don't do that in their daily lives. Like unless you're an acrobat, people relate to like being punched in the face or being screwed over or just like almost getting to that thing that you wanted and then not achieving it. Like people relate to real things like that, like talking to someone and having them mouth off back to you. That's very relatable. It's like, oh, we've all been mouthed off back to and we don't like it, obviously, right? So like but yeah, no, not many people have been uh, in the position to do a Canadian destroyer. And ultimately, too, I don't think in any fight that I've ever been in, unless I was a young kid actually trying to apply German suplexes and pedigrees and stuff, there's no position that's going to allow someone to compromise themselves to get their head between your leg and then do a backflip, you know? Yeah, it's 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 not my repertoire, but don't get me wrong, it's not like I haven't been like, oh, it might be cool if I did a Canadian destroyer tonight, just the yeah. the, the hell of it. But like, yeah, it, it is one of those things where it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, you know. But going back to it too, though, like like I said, like we both said, like wrestling's a smorgasbord, right? So there is place and time for that. It's just not my place and time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that that that's uh, totally fair for sure. Um, have you has spent any time wrestling as a, a baby face, or <laughs> yeah, uh, just just been a heel? I was a baby face for my first my rookie year, 
because uh, I just was doing whatever I was told. And then I got switched heel. And I have been a heel for 12 of my 13 years, basically. I had a little, like, six months as a face. And, like, I I did better than I thought I would do. Just because, like, when you're stuck, something, when I'm stuck, but when I was so uh, into being a heel, I knew the ins and outs. And then, like, I, I was just nervous. But, like, am I going to be a good face? Are people going to take me as a face? And then, like, what I learned from doing that was having experience of being a face made me a better heel because now I know what I want for my baby faces and now I can guide them in terms of where I want them to go, how I want them to do things. You know what I'm saying? Like it, 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 you, you need to have both in order to get the full circle, but I'm far better as a heel and I've spent most of my career doing just that. Solid, solid. Yeah. I, I, I think it's very interesting because I've, I've done a little bit of, of, of both and I can't really say what I prefer, you know, like yeah. I I do like being a heel and getting people like agitated and whatnot, but I also quite enjoy it when people cheer for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. So totally, I agree. As long as people are making noise, <laughs> that's, that's that's ultimately the key, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of where I come from on these things. Um, Just, uh, another thing to think about too around here. Sorry to cut you off again, but. Uh, at this point now, with so many people coming into the business, there's a lot of greenhorns, right? And, like, for myself, uh, I now end up wrestling people that I haven't wrestled before, and usually they're green. And they're not going to be able to call a match better than I can or elicit a heel response because your heel makes your baby face, right? So if they're not a proper heel, then it's going to make me as a baby face look abysmal. So I'd, like... It just makes sense to have the more veteran guy as the heel in terms of majority of the greenhorns or younger talent. Yeah, no, that, that definitely, yeah, that definitely makes sense. I don't get me wrong. I would class myself self as a, as a, as a green guy. I mean, uh, but I do like being in those situations where I'm, I've got a little bit more experience and I get to have like the control, you know, like, mm -hmm. I, 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 there's, there's, I, I don't know. I, I find that it's a lot of fun sometimes when you just go to the ring with nothing planned and yeah. magic happens, you know, I'm always worried that it'll completely erupt in my face and make me look like a complete idiot, but that doesn't seem <laughs> to ever happen, <laughs> but I like, that's always did. the case, right? Always. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. But like the thing too, is like when you're just starting out, there's again, so many things to grasp that you're not necessarily listening to the crowd, right? Like I say this often, but when the, the, the voices in your head are louder than the ones in the seats, you're not going to be able to hear what they're telling you, right? So mm -hmm. just as a heel with experience, being in the ring, like I'm, I'm only there listening to the crowd. Like I'm not really doing anything aside from that. And what a really liberating feeling recently, um, as I've just started to, when I'm in the ring now, I literally have nothing in my head. Like, say, as I'm like, it was the first moment of realization. It was like a couple months ago. I was picking someone up while I was in the heat. And I was like, I literally don't have any idea what I'm going to do right now. I don't know. And as I was still standing them up, I'm like, I still don't know. This is extremely freeing. And I'm just like looking at the people while I'm picking them up, you know, just like just being and listening and waiting. And like, I don't think there's many more freeing feelings than just being in the ring with nothing in your head, you know, like you're ultimately just right there in the moment and that's what the people want. They want you just to be there with them. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I mean, I, I, it's a, again, it's like one of those things that they notice during matches is a lot of times it's not the big move that gets the reaction. It's the, oh, you did a big move and then you sat up and you looked around and just like eyeballed people. And then that's what got the reaction, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's some, some of that stuff is, is really interesting to me. It's, it's very true though. Like for, for myself, I don't have very many impressive moves. I have five most matches I'll do one, maybe two, but like the things that uh, are most impactful in terms of resonating with the crowd are like throwing a short arm clothesline. Cause again, people can resonate with getting hit really hard and with something that they can understand like a clothesline, but it's like the things, the little things that I do or the little things that any person does in the ring seem to have a bigger reaction to the crowd. Like an eye poke is going to elicit a very strong uh, reaction from the crowd as opposed to, uh, like a, a shooting star press. I mean, like the, the shooting star press is the ooh and the ah, but everyone's like, you fucking prick when you poke somebody in the eye, right? Like, yeah, it's just it, the little things get a bigger reaction, right? And like the little things, the little things can make a good match into a great match. So once you get that stuff in your, like the, the in between things, right? Like people don't care about the moves, they care about what's happening in between the moves. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's 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 pretty accurate from from the experience that I've had anyway, um, for sure. Uh, what are what are like a few of your favorite matches that you've had so far in your career? Matches, hmm. Um, one of my favorite matches was against my tag team partner and best friend, Daniel Adonis, we were kind of green at the same time. And I like it, it wasn't anything to write home about, but just getting to be in the ring with someone that you love so much. And like, you can whoop each other's asses in that moment. Right. Like it's just, I don't know. It's a very comforting, but uh, you still know you're going to whoop each other's asses. Right. So there's that uh, any match I've had with Eddie Osborne, cause he's such a fucking pro. He's just so good. Like any match we've had has been amazing. I had one match with Rhea Von Slasher in Langford where she beat me for the VIPW championship. And the, that was a wonderful time. Cause again, being good friends and whooping each other's asses. Like it, it just, I guess for me, not a lot of matches as much as moments. That's what, that's what I really care about. I don't care about the match per se. Like I don't look at a whole body of work in a match and be like, that's great. Like I look at one little piece in the match where I connected with the crowd or whatever the case so in terms of like the things that I've done that are my favorite things that I've done, I will hold uh, Cremator Von Slasher. While I was in a match with BJ Laredo, he, I was giving him a cross face and Cremator Von Slasher, I took him out months beforehand. So he stabbed up in the ring with a knife and started cutting the canvas from underneath and then pulled me underneath the ring and like that whole thing and like covered me in blood and then I had to escape it and then like that whole thing, it was it was way more impactful in terms of the crowd seeing it than the 20 minutes I just wrestled before, right? Because, like, yeah, people don't care about the the whole thing. I mean, they can, but they care about the moments in the thing, right? Like, if you look at uh, The Rock and Hogan uh, at WrestleMania 18, uh, for me personally, I remember them staring at the crowd and, like, like going back and forth and looking more than I remember most of the match. It's like, it's, it's those things, right, that people care about. Yeah. So that's I, what I care about. I, I I did a match uh, with uh, Marty Sugar, and he said he wanted it to be kind of like a Rock and Hogan thing because I was like, okay, well I'm I'm coming in from out of town to wrestle you, and you you're clearly the ho- the baby baby face here. But last time I was the baby face, and he, yeah, so but 
he, when I watched the match back, just because he told me that's kind of the vibe he was wanting, is yeah, I noticed how how little that they actually like did, and there was just a lot of like looking around and 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 just creating a, a vibe and an energy, and people were feeding off of it, and, and it was getting like reverberated back into the arena and stuff. It was, it's one of my all time favorite matches actually. Mm -hmm. That's how do you mean you and Marty? Uh, I'm not me and Marty, no Hulk and uh, rock. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Marty was, 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 it was fun, but it was also like, uh, I, I, it was one of my first out of town, like BC dates. And so I was quite nervous for it. And, uh, like the, the night before we were traveling and I didn't sleep at all. So I think I had like 20 minutes of sleep going into this match and was, was very much just like, Oh, very very much like just just exhausted but uh, we had fun and the people seemed entertained by it i i, I won the belt from marty and it was it, that was a that good was night dope. i love that belt yeah it was it was cool um you know how did you feel taking bumps on 20 minutes sleep uh i you know i it didn't bother me that much uh The the first time I did Marty's show was like a month before that, and I noticed with his ring, like his ring is weird ring with like the the braces underneath are made of wood and stuff, so it's just a like a more stiff ring in general. So like the first time I went out there, I was taking like overhead suplexes and Death Valley drivers and stuff, and then the second time when I went to fight Marty, it was. Yeah, we, we were a little bit more uh, conservative about the the style of the bumps we were going to be taking in there because, yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad like the, that night of the first show, but the, the day afterwards, you were like, oh, yeah, the, the ring is, is noticeably stiffer this morning. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, uh, I I asked that because I just recently, that match I was telling you about, the, the one the casket match, uh, I work nights because obviously wrestling isn't my thing. Like, it's not my full-time job at this moment. That's what I'm going to. But I got off work at 5, went to bed at 6, went to the ferry at about 7, and picked up the people that I was supposed to pick up. And then it was snowing up the highway that we were going to drive, and it's already a four-hour drive. So, and I like to do, I I don't know, I can be controlling, I guess, in certain circumstances. Like, I want to drive, because I want to be able to stop when I want, and be able to do what I want when I want to do it. So I decided to take the entire drive. So I'm on an hour's sleep. I go uh, pick up the people at the ferry, drive all the way to the Okanagan, wrestle the whole match, no sleep, and it hurt like a bitch on no sleep, and then drove back uh, seven-ish hours because of the black ice and the snow, and then caught the ferry two hours later to go wrestle again. It was like, that sucked. Just because like, when you don't sleep, yeah. everything just hurts more, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, after that, uh, match was over, we went back and I got a, a really good night's rest. And, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I actually, I, I really liked wrestling out there in the Okanagan. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I've, I've enjoyed wrestling all over the place every, everywhere I've gotten the opportunity to, you know, like, I think that's one of the, like, just one of the main things for me is just like, uh, I always say gratitude's the attitude, you know, like, 
Uh, it's just like a, a such a fortunate thing that I never thought I'd be able to actually do, and then now I I, I get to do it, and like I get to go places, and, living the dream, right? Yeah, like you know, I, I don't make millions of dollars or anything like that, but people will pay me to come in and do my thing and entertain yeah. people they know. So I, I that th- th- makes me very happy. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like there's nothing, there's no different, there's no feeling other than being in the ring and being able to control the people. And like, here's another thing that I say all the time is like, I, I've done every single drug there is and there's no drug like being in the ring when you have the people. And it's, it's something else, right? Like it's inex- indescribable. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely been a couple of those moments for me where it was like you watch it back the video and you're like, oh, wow, listen to the people like listen to this. This is this is crazy. Like sometimes the uh, audio is even a bigger click in for your memory than than the the actual video. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, true. You know, because like. Like, I, again, like, I, I'm not trying to sound lazy or whatever, but, like, the, the, the Canadian Destroyer looks really cool, but it's the reaction afterwards that I want that's the satisfying part, right? So mm-hmm. if, if, if you're getting those reactions from, like, even, even without all the crazy moves in the video, like, that's, yeah, I don't know. I think that's cool. Well, that, that's the thing, right? Like, the, the little things, most of the time, if you're executing them in the proper way, get the bigger reactions, right? Like, if you do a bunch of things that are actually heelish, then people are going to understand what kind of character you are or a gimmick you're portraying or whatever the case. And then you're not taking away from your baby face's pops, right? So, like, if you're both doing moves to try and be a face and a heel, then you're just looking for the same reaction and then crowd is just going to get quiet because they don't really understand what's happening. But if there's a clear established heel and baby face, then people are going to resonate and respect what both people are bringing and understand very clearly and know how to cheer and when to cheer and what to cheer, you know? Yeah. I think it takes a lot of skill for the heels to do more impressive, like athletic moves in matches, you know, because like, you could do that stuff to impress people and stuff and they'll, they'll, they'll applaud you and whatnot. But like, if you're a heel and you don't want that applause, but you still want to do that cool stuff, you got to get like really creative with it. And I think yeah, that that's, there's ways to do about it. For sure. yeah, yeah. Something, something I'm still trying to work on, you know, it's a learning curve dog. I'm still there too. I learn every single time I'm in the ring and outside of the ring, right? Like it never stops. If you, if you're actually trying to get better and learn, Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm nowhere to where I want to be, but I've made a decent mark in terms of where I've been, which is knowing nothing and wrestling like a mark. <laughs> Have you uh, um, had any opportunities to, uh, to join up with uh, any of the, be on any of the like uh, dark uh, AEW dark matches or anything like that? Or like, I wish when, uh, when I, that's again something I'm, when um, it was 2019, it was I think it was January, which was really cool because it was right before they stopped doing the tours because the world closed down, whatever. But uh, I got some talent or some uh, some extra work for WWE, and I got to be on SmackDown, and I was security with a couple other guys in the Sami Zayn segment, and then Braun Strowman come out, and then we were supposed to run at him, and then he would shoulder us. And I ran at that motherfucker with all I had. And if you watch the clip, like, I, as I hit him, my legs go up like a scissor. And I just, like, boom, smuck the ground. And, like, it, it felt like death and it looked like death. But I would do it all over again because it was, it was so cool. But that, that's, 
that and like just getting to be extra around WWE during that time was what I've had thus far. And like that was a dream come true because that's all everybody, I mean, that's all I wanted to do was just be a WWE superstar or like be in WWE, whatever the case. Or, like it, that's the mm-hmm. thing most people aspire to do. So just getting a little taste of it was amazing. But that's what I've done to this point. And I also got to be in uh, a movie, a WWE movie, the main event in okay. like, I think it was like 2019, whatever. Uh, yeah. So getting to do that as well, just getting to rub elbows with, bigger names and like just to be in that environment of professionalism gives you a taste of what it's like. Right. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's awesome. What are some of like the biggest differences uh, from being backstage at say like a three, six, five wrestling show and being backstage at like WWE? Um, is it, is it different for guys like uh, like local guys or versus like the WWE guys? Are you, are you changing with like the, the superstars or do you have your own like, uh, space and how does that compare there was an extra they have like a designated extra room where you do all your changing whatever the case and you just hang out in catering or just wherever you're needed but just the, the level of difference is just like professionalism right like nobody can touch the professionalism the quality the everything that wwe is right so i mean just being around that like when you're in uh any indie for the most part, you're just hanging out with uh, with the locker room and enjoying it. And then when you're there in WWE, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of your back's against the wall because you're nervous and you don't want to fuck up. And you're just there to take whatever opportunities afforded to you, right? But yeah, it's, just, it's professionalism. That's the, the one difference. And that's not a, a mark on or a knock on any indie company, right? Like everyone has a certain level of professionalism, but nobody has that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I mean, I can see it having requiring like a bunch of professionalism. Is there like any like uh, weird extra rules or anything that you remember having to abide by? Um, just don't don't go up and like t- try and talk to people, right? Like, because obviously everybody probably tries to do that. Fanboys, just whatever. Funny story on that topic, though. It's hilarious. Of course, this is what happened. So uh, I got to SmackDown, and I think it was SmackDown. It might have been SmackDown or NXT. Anyways, doesn't matter. But so I got there and I don't wear suits because I'm like, I, I just, I, I like to wear cutoff shirts and jeans and just like normal clothes, whatever. So I had to wear a suit, obviously. And so we were going to uh, help on a little backstage segment with Finn Balor. And I bent over immediately, like nine in the morning. Like this is like nine in the morning. And we're there all day. And we have to cut the segment shortly after that. So I bent over to pick up my coffee on the floor. And I literally ripped my pants from the belt buckle seam to my ass, like the bottom where the bottom seam is. So like my entire ass is out. And like, so I just had to pull my pants up as high as I could put my, like my, my jacket over top of it and just hope nobody saw. And like, just in a very controlled motion, just like make sure it was always tucked up. And like, but like I had to be the entire day with this big of a hole in my pants with my ass showing. It's like, Oh yeah, that was quite the experience. What a funny story to have then. Right. But, yeah, so if anybody ever sees that segment of me standing in the back with Finn Balor walking through, know I have a huge rip in my pants. <laughs> I, that's still that's got to be like a, a a good memory for you, you know? Yeah, like, yeah it was funny. I remember uh, at one point I was watching the matches and catering, and I think it was Rhea Ripley that was sitting behind me, and I had to be like, oh gosh, how am I supposed to get up? Because like as soon as I get up, I have to like suction my pants to my ass just to make sure I get up with nobody seeing it. It was like, yeah, that was, it was, it was another stress added to an already stressful situation. And, but hilarious. But I mean, I'm assuming you made it through without in, uh, incident and then like, 
obviously, if somebody did call you out on it, what are you going to do? Just be like, well, there's them the brakes, right? Like, yeah, I have no pants, right? Yeah, what do you do? And like, yeah, luckily nobody has brought it up to me aside or, uh, until this point where I'm telling people, obviously. But yeah, I, I think I got out unscathed. Mm-hmm. Solid. Uh, well, uh, Jordy, I think we're approaching the uh, end of the interview here. So uh, why don't you let everybody know where they can uh, get a hold of you and uh, whatnot? So that if they. My Instagram to, they... is the best pro wrestler and uh, no spaces. And my Facebook is Jordy Taylor. That's usually where I am as both of those. I don't really do Twitter or whatever. But yeah, the best pro wrestler on Instagram, Jordy Taylor on Facebook. Solid, buddy. Solid. All right. Well, I want to thank you very much for uh, coming on the show and just uh, chatting with me about wrestling for a while. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope to well, I get to see you again soon here. I don't know if I'm going to be at those RCW shows that you're on uh, coming up here or not, but uh, hopefully I'll get to see you. Hopefully we'll get to work a match relatively soon when you come back. Yeah, yeah, I'm um, I'm going for my surgery tomorrow morning at eight o'clock, so I'm a little nervous about it. But you know, life goes on. So yeah, you'll do great. You'll do great. Yeah, just Alrighty. one step at a time, right? Yep, I, I'm 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 looking forward to all that. Thank you very much for uh, yeah. coming on the show. Thank you, brother. Have a nice day. Mm-hmm.